there. Welcome. And thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. And our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. the last nine weeks at Kingstown, we've been working our way through the book of James together, listening in and yielding our lives to James's nine imperatives throughout five chapters. And James is calling us to grow up and show up and speak up and line up and open up and and build up and wise up and give up and wait up. Um, Dirk guided you through wait up last week in faith. Um, He's calling us to start adulting our faith as we as we desire to move upward um, in in lives of discipleship and sanctification with God. These are these this is what the Christian journey is for is is to to grow in likeness of Jesus, right? But on this journey toward um even remotely understanding what any of these things mean, <laughs> we have to first acknowledge that there there are really two kinds of ways of faith. James is calling us toward growing up in faith, but there's these there's these two kinds of faith. And so we got to get this straight. What kind are we talking about? Two kinds. Um, th- and they sound the same, but actually turn out to be very, very different types of faith. The first kind of faith um, is that kind of desire to attain some kind of level of of certainty or or conviction or passion that can Somehow, somehow carry us through our doubt and distress and despair in this life. It's the kind of faith we we like to psych ourselves up with um, before, like a big game or before an exam or before a difficult conversation we have to have with someone that we really don't like to even have conversations with, right? It's the kind of faith we kind of psych ourselves up with, um, this different realm of consciousness that we so that we can achieve things that are beyond our normal abilities, that kind of faith. Um, perhaps this kind of faith um, could be communicated as or is, is often synonymous with the word belief. This notion that we, we have for, well, for, for Christians, 
at least for Christians, we have these, ex, ex, these certain extraordinary commitments and rituals and ideas. We have these extraordinary beliefs as Christians about this reality that can seem bizarre to outsiders, right? Or locked in some ancient thought world, but that these beliefs give us this access to the secret workings of the true power at large in the universe. We can't expect to know the logic or understand the purposes of that power, but it is belief. It's belief. It's holding beliefs, plural, that connects us to it as successfully as is possible in this existence. And to keep that magic at work, to maintain this belief, this kind of faith, we surround ourselves then with people who who hold these convictions, right? We go to church, perhaps even more ardently um, than we do, these people hold these convictions. We, we surround ourselves with people who, who believe these things even more than we do, and we cultivate experiences that help take us toward this form of feeling where we can be lifted out of our, our mundane lives where everything feels so fragile and vulnerable and we can be lifted out of, transported out of that. I don't know about you, but worship often feels like that. This place to be transported out of our mundane lives. The interesting thing, though, about this notion of belief, this kind of faith, is it seems to be understood in similar ways by those who adhere to it and by those who are outsiders from it, right? It's it's common for journalists or courts to refer to a person's beliefs, speaking of of something beyond the rational, something obscure and, and fiercely held, impossible to argue with, and central to identity. Think for a second about parents refusing medical assistance for their child when doctors are eager to intervene on behalf of that child, right? And we're told it's because of their beliefs. But it's also common for a person to to defend their own beliefs as profoundly personal and of great comfort as things that shouldn't be a reason for discrimination, even if another person finds them offensive. What, what these, these different understandings have in common is the assumption that belief, this kind of faith, belief, the first kind of faith, is fundamentally this form of escape. Like some, like some magic carpet that lifts, lifts us out of the ordinary of life, the jeopardy of our lives and transports us to this realm of miracle and mystery and cosmic purpose. And it's pretty enticing. And so it'd be easy to think that, that what I've described here as belief is the only kind of faith that there is, right? But I promise you, There is another kind of faith, one that isn't based on escape. 
the kind of faith at the heart of all of James's imperatives for us. The, the, the faith at the heart of the entire book of James, the kind of faith G- James and Jesus has always been calling us to. And it's not that kind of faith. Instead, um, imagine a man who develops some kind of life-limiting condition. His, his wrist starts to swell, and the next day his knee um, can't bend out of nowhere, and within days he's in the hospital, um, and, he, and he finds out he has some kind of autoimmune arthritis. His immune system is attacking his joint tissue. And after a month, his condition stabilizes and he he starts to build his life again. But he needs rehab and he needs physical therapy and he has to learn to walk again. He develops strategies and he has to depend on others and he has to learn to accept help in new ways and And he has to create a whole new routine of daily exercises. It's this complete transformation of his life. Once more, his his infant daughter is also learning to walk, as he is learning to walk again. He thought his job was to teach her, but now she's teaching him. It's humiliating. But it's also weirdly beautiful. And he appreciates now the tiniest gifts of life. He cherishes the people that care for him. And he says, thank you for walking with me. And he he means it like literally when he says it. And he's gradually, he's gradually making progress. But faster than he is, he's relearning to walk. He's becoming this better person. Don't you see this? He's becoming this better person. He's growing up. He's showing up. He's speaking up, opening up, building up, wising up, giving up, waiting up, stepping up in ways he never thought he could before. Ways he never has before in his entire life. And if there's one word that sums up the journey, this kind of faith, the journey I just described, it's not belief. It's trust. Trust is the other kind of faith. Trust is the kind of faith that James has been talking about. Trust is the kind of faith that Paul talks about. Trust doesn't assume life is about overcoming limitations. It's about about finding truth and beauty and friendship in the midst of those limitations. Trust doesn't think that that if if you have the magic some magic wand, things can just change overnight. 
Trust instead finds companionship among the community in the waiting. Trust doesn't pretend that that if you hold tight to the right things, the right beliefs, nothing will ever go wrong. It inhibits the exercises and patience required to, to, to rebuild. It, and it inhabits those exercises and that patience and it after matters have been strained and broken, it inhabits those spaces. Trust doesn't use people as a means to get things, but, but places all its energies in making relationships that transcend. Trust is wholly different. And trust rather than belief, is this, it's this better part of faith. I assure you, it is the better part of faith. It's the kind of faith James has been calling us, calling us up into throughout this entire letter to the early church in Jerusalem. And it's the kind of faith that Paul doubles down on in his, in his first letter to the early church in Corinth. And if we rewind all the way back to the beginning of the letter in James, we get this, this verse that I hope will be <clears throat> long after we finished James this summer. Uh, this verse that I hope will be like a life verse for our community this year. Rereading this verse as we began James together, I like really sensed, I sensed so deeply God speaking a word of wisdom for us as a community, but also like as individuals on this journey of faith. Listen to what James says here. James says, let endurance complete its work in you so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. When, when I think back over the last seven years of mission and ministry together at Kingstown, I can't help but stand in awe of all the saints, all of you who have made your way into this, into this community, all of you saints, like you, specifically you, who have helped to shape this church in the courageous and creative and collaborative story of Christ's love that we believe that our our greater Alexandria corner of creation needs and craves, especially those who don't even know it yet. Or, Or those who have internalized a different tainted story of who and how God loves, right? seven years ago, that was seven years ago, we dreamt of a church that would share that kind of love and extend God's table. And since the very beginning, we've been upfront about how the church that we believe God longs to build for today, the church of the future, we've been upfront about how it, it has to be one that is steadfast in living lean and 
and loving large, lacking in nothing, lacking in nothing. And you should, when I say that, hear the words again of James, who says, let endurance. You, you heard those words? Think back to what James, to we, what we just read, let endurance complete its work in you so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. That's always been our goal, living, loving large, but lacking in nothing. Scripture says the early church was built in this way. This is the church that the, it would, the church was meant to be this kind of church, built on this kind of faith, this kind of trust. And though the words and in, in theology of James and Paul are often set in contrast to one another, both apostles agreed wholeheartedly on this and encouraged the early Judeo-Christian communities of Jerusalem and Corinth to grow up into this kind of church. Nothing more, but also nothing less. Hear it again. James writes, let endurance complete its work in you that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And then Paul expounds upon that in 1 Corinthians, urging God's people, listen to these words from Paul, lack in nothing or in any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. James's words, you know, struck me as noteworthy when we began this study together over the summer and, and for uh, noteworthy for us as a community, um, for us individually, aiming to, to journey upwards, growing up in God and lack nothing in faith. But it's, it's Paul's explanation in 1 Corinthians, for, it's 1 Corinthians 1, 7, that names the evidence of this kind of spiritual maturity, this way of, of living lean and loving large and lacking in nothing, it's Paul's explanation that, that names this kind of spiritual maturity as, as the spiritual gifts of a church that trusts and waits on the Lord. God, I want to be that church. I don't know about you. I want to be that church. Thank you. Thank you, friends, for enduring and for trusting and for waiting on the Lord with me these last seven years at Kingstown, especially through this these, these post-pandemic growing pains years that we've just been through. Thank you for being committed to building and growing growing and sustaining this kind of church for building and, and growing and sustaining that kind of faith. Thank you. And, and what this kind of faith, this kind of endurance, trusting, waiting on the Lord has always meant for Kingstown, um, more specifically, <coughs> is that we, as we mature as a church, as we mature as a church, we will always remain committed to these three things, living lean, loving large, lacking in nothing. Um, and so what these mean is that for living lean, <coughs> living lean, it means prioritizing our resources of people over property for us. We will never have a building. We don't want one. 
will always, without overhead of a building, we will prioritize the resources of people over the resources of property. And growing in ministry, we intend to grow in ministry health and financial vitality. We, we, we intend to do that, but we believe that that doesn't ever really need to exceed a $250,000 budget unless any dollar above $250,000 is being given away to our community around us. We are a church that lives lean. We can promise you that. Two, we are a church that wants to be about loving large, where, where we prioritize community partnerships over solo projects that we do. Always, we're always asking how and with whom can we do the most good for the most people in our community. So much so that we, we have been aiming to grow and we believe we might even hit this year for 2024 that, that we can give at least 10% of our annual operating budget away to our community. That's a tithe where we as the church don't just ask you to, to give a portion of, of, of your money to the church, but that we give a set aside tithe of our money that you give us, that you give into this community, that we give it back out directly to our community. And we, and we intend to give 10% at least of that, of our annual operating budget. Most churches never exceed 5%. And then in the process, we also would be found lacking nothing. What this means for us is that we, that even being this lean and loving, scrappy church, we would also be responsible. We would prioritize responsible stewardship of our organizational assets, of our staff, of our volunteers, of our strategic vision, of our financial gifts and reserves, and connection with the United Methodist Church, which is an asset to us, that we would prioritize all these things responsibly as we grow. These three things, living lean, loving large, lacking in nothing, it's the church that God, we believe God is calling us to be. From the beginning, we've been upfront about how the church that we believe God longs for is one that as, as the apostle, as the apostles James and Paul put it, are lacking in nothing so that we can be steadfast in our mission to live lean and love large. And I believe that it's our core values. It's our it's our three core values, which you know well, or you should, if you've been a part of Kingstown for any amount of time, you should know well. Our, our three core values, courageous conversation, creative community, collaborating for the common good. Um, it's these core values that help us uniquely live out that kind of faith, right? That help us be this kind of church. I believe that these are the core values. These core values serve as not just values for our church, but also as virtues on the road of Christian faith for all of us on path toward lacking nothing as we seek to trust in and serve the Lord. 
They can, they can serve not just as values for our church, but as personal virtues for growing in love of God and neighbor. And so um, this September, we're moving out of this study of James and we're moving into a study that's um, going to be mostly rooted in 1 Corinthians, but it's, it's a sermon series on the three virtues of living lean and loving large. A sermon series on, on our three values, these virtues that we own as a church that are who we are as a church. On September 10th, it'll be Courageous Conversation. September 17th, creative community, September 24th, collaborating for the common good. I invite you to come and be a part of this sermon series to learn along with me as you seek to grow in trusting the Lord um, for this sermon series, Lacking Nothing, Three Virtues for Living Lean and Loving Large. Because here's the thing I know, and, and this just to wrap it up this morning, here's the thing I know. It's possible, it is totally possible to get rid of belief from your life, right? You can say you're not going to commit to anything that isn't scientifically provable, um, but you cannot live without trust. You cannot live without trust. When, when, when we've been hurt or betrayed, our ability to trust inevitably suffers but so does the abundance of our life. And, and, the, and, the, and the question isn't whether we should trust. It's, it's who and what are we to trust, right? In the face of death, the question is, what can we trust that will last forever? We can't live without trust. There are two kinds of faith, belief and trust. And, and here's the irony in this, friends. God's faith in us is belief. It is irrational and far-fetched and mysterious. There is no good reason for it, but everything depends on it. But and, and both James and Paul and surely Jesus confirm that it's our faith in God that should be trust. It's our faith in God that should say there are going to be setbacks, misunderstandings, and, and there's going to be patient rebuilding involved. But I only want you, Lord. When we think faith is all about belief, we beat ourselves up for not being able to hold together all the mysteries and contradictions and far-fetched ideas. But, there, but, 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 but that's not what Christianity is even about, right? The Christian faith is about trust. It's about trust. It's not about Jesus the magician whisking us away on some magic carpet of happiness and glory. It's about facing the unknown and seeing Jesus just around the corner, offering his hand and saying, we're going to walk across the unknown together. 
I hope you hear Jesus extending that invitation to our church this year. And also in extending that invitation to you. Hey, come along. We're going to walk across the unknown together. Would you pray with me? <coughs> God, thank you for this moment of rest. This moment of reminder that we are people of trust, not people of belief. That you believe in us for no, yeah, for no reason. That it is it's your faith in us that is that is crazy, mysterious, beyond understanding, but it is our faith in you. Where we are called to trust you, God. To let endurance bring us to a place of lacking nothing, which is a sign of our trust in you. God, in every way today that we are in need of trusting not on our own understanding, not on what we know, trusting not our own abilities, our own control, in every way that we need to lean on you, God, trust in you, lead us there so that we might be lacking in nothing. <clears throat> we join together in that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.